Welcome to Round Rock Church of Christ. We're glad you're listening. If you're in the Austin area, we'd love to have you join us this Sunday at 8.30 or 10 a.m. Or you can check us out and watch online at roundrockchurch.us. May God bless you as you seek Him, and may He use this message to give you exactly what you need. Hi, my name is Allie Wigginton, and I'm a graduating senior, and today I'll be reading John 20, verse 11 through 18. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had been laying, one at the head and the other at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, I do not know where they have laid him. When she, said, when she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not know it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you looking for? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned to him and said in Hebrew, Rabbani, which means, said to him, do not touch me, because I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to the Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and she told them that he had said these things to her. Thanks be to God. NBC. Thanks, Alan. So we are in uh, the final sermon of a series that we've called First Importance. And uh, today, as we're at Senior Sunday and First Importance is ending and chapters ending, uh, I felt like we needed to talk about something highly spiritual today. I want to talk about yearbooks. I want to talk about what yearbooks may have to do with Jesus. Now, to do this, I'm going to have to tell you a story of experience. And uh, this is a very common experience. I'm just going to give you one version of it today. This is a common experience that people face just months after yearbooks are passed around. They're signed, they're closed, they're put in boxes, and then they're picked up again 20 years later. Many have different versions of this experience. I'm going to give you one today, okay? And this is going to be the experience of Shannon. Shannon was someone who sat in front of my friend. Her story went something like this. To be done with high school. I loved every moment of it. And I was ready for the next chapter of life to go with it. And even though I had a lot of unknowns in my life, one thing I did know is that I was going to take for not Texas Tech. I'm going to take a technology job over in a city that I love. And even though there were a lot of unknowns, one thing I didn't know was that this was the beginning of a moment for an unwelcomed shift faith. My friend said as he sat in front of Shannon just months after she graduated, she said, I am in a place in life where I don't know if I am a Christian anymore or if I want to be a Christian anymore. Which was confusing because she absolutely loved Jesus. She loved worshiping Jesus. She loved her church back home. But when she moved away, 
she found some disturbing things that made her feel like she almost outgrew the faith that she had. A couple factors played into it. One, she gained a roommate, and this roommate also believed in the faith at one point, but found that she was walking away from it, mainly because she knew the Bible forwards and backwards, and she kind of had some questions the Bible contradicted itself. And when she asked her some of those questions, Shannon said, not only had I never considered those questions, I didn't have any answers to that question. Another factor came into her life, and that was the people that Shannon worked with. Here's the thing. Most of the people Shannon worked with had either never gone to church or it had been a really long time since they had gone to church, and they were still good people. Like, honestly, if Shannon was honest, every week at church, they gave money, they supported people, they helped people when they needed it. They were advocates for those who were hurting in the world. And many of her friends said, I just don't need God to do and live the way that I'm living. But then one more thing contributed to Shannon's experience. Shannon found that she was feeling this ever-increasing kind of distance towards the people that raised her. And every time that she talked with people back home, it felt like there was less and less resonance every time for her. As a matter of fact, one night it got so bad, she has deleted her Facebook account because she could not fathom the way that people back home talked about Jesus online. These were the people who loved her and were saying unloving things online. My friend finally sat down with Shannon and said, if you've reached this point in your life, why are you sitting here telling me these things? And Shannon said, the reason I'm telling you these things is because I miss God. When I sit down with God, I can't feel God in prayer the way that I used to. I can't unsee some of these things that I've had. I've got questions that I don't know how to answer. And I miss what I had with God. And I want it back. What do you do when God goes missing? When God wasn't like God was at one point in your life. What do you do with that feeling? That experience is more common than people even like to talk about. In this series, we've been talking about different interactions with Jesus. And one of the interactions that you get to see at the end of John is you get to see someone who is wrestling with missing Jesus. Now, we're told the story of Mary Magdalene, who she has had this incredible healing experience with Jesus crucified by the Roman powers of the day. She is missing Jesus. So she goes to see where his body was laid. And not only is Mary missing Jesus, but the body of Jesus is missing. And in this moment of grief for Mary, there is a unique opportunity that Mary doesn't even know is coming into her life. If you didn't grab a Bible just yet, I'd like to encourage you to turn to that. It's going to be in John chapter 20. 
And we're going to start in verse 11 with what Allie read for us. Now Mary, this is Mary Magdalene, Mary stood outside the tomb crying. And as she wept, she bent over and looked into the tomb and she saw two angels in white seated where the body had been, one at the head and the other at the feet. And they asked her, woman, why are you crying? Which was probably the worst pastoral question ever asked before. (laughs) They've taken away my Lord, she said. And I don't know where they've put him. And at this, she turned around and she saw Jesus standing there. But she did not realize that it was Jesus. And Jesus asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it that you're looking for? Thinking that he was the gardener, she said, sir, if you carried him away, tell me where you've put him and I will get him it is worth noting in the spiritual life that in the midst of transitions jesus tends to go missing have you ever found how disruptive transitions are in your life of this you know psychologists would actually say that most of your day-to-day function right now you are operating on about 20 to 25% of your brain power because you are working off of memory. And the hard thing about transitions is, is that they disrupt what we're doing with our memory. So like when you hop in the car and you drive somewhere, you are not working with all of your brain. You are working off of your memory, which is why transitions are exhausting. Have you ever felt this in your life? Like when you travel and all of a sudden, even the smallest things contribute to your exhaustion. When you forget to buy groceries for the week, Lord have mercy. We get exhausted. When you introduce a new small little person into your house, it is exhausting because your patterns are interrupted. I had a friend that just got their third kid, got it like they received their kid. They just had their third kid. And I said, what is it like to have a third kid? And he goes, well, let me pay it for you. He's like, imagine you're holding two children and you're slowly drowning. And then someone tries to hold you a third child. That's what it's like to have a third kid. (laughs) And to be a parent is an awesome calling, but is a disruptive calling. When you are transitioning in life, moving from one state of being to the other state of being, Exhaustion can creep in because your brain naturally wants the patterns of routine. Your brain wants to work out how do I do this the easiest way possible. Psychologists came up with this study. They call it the blue water jug problem. Okay, have we heard this problem? No. Okay, all right. It was a study that basically confirms that your brain is going to try to find the easiest way possible to go about your day and then that path here's how it works basically what scientists would do is they would put multiple water jugs in front of you and then they would give you a problem to say hey you can only fill up or empty these water jugs to equal the amount of water that you need okay so let me give you an example because that feels very ambiguous if i were to give you three water jugs one was 10 units one was nine units and one was two units 
This study would say, okay, sit in front of it, no strand, sit in front of it and tell me, how do you get six units of water between these three? You can only fill it and empty it. Now, some of you would be like, man, I, I don't even want to play this game because I don't know how to do it. Others of us engineers in the room are like, this is ridiculous. You create the jug that you need in that size. But here's, here's what they would do in this study. They would actually give you a cheat. Okay, so for example, if they said, here's the amount. We need you to have six units of water. They'd be like, hey, did you know that if all you do bad boy right here and you empty it twice, you'll have six units of water? Doing this study is they would give you a cheat to use the two every single time. But then on the fourth or fifth try, they would give you a different scenario of what they found. They found that if you use the cheat in the beginning, your chances of problem increased as you went. Why? Because when your brain is familiar with something, it can become complacent with something. That when you look at something one way and you do it over and over and over again, you start to not be able to see ways to look at things different. Your brain wants to go about the easiest way, the same way every time. And transitions interrupt the patterns that you have in your life. And this is the word for us this morning. There is nothing wrong with working off of memory and routine. But if all we look for is memory and routine, we miss meaningful moments in the present because we're trying to copy the past. And oftentimes, if we go about just looking at something the same way over and over and over again, it leaves us empty. And is that when God is missing in your life, there is an opportunity to experience God in a meaningful new way. It's in times of transition that we remember the words spoken from the empty tomb when we are empty in our lives. Pick up with me in verse 16. This is what Jesus says to Mary. She's in transition of knowing the crucified Lord to the resurrected Lord. This is the first thing Jesus says. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned towards him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabbi, which means teacher. And Jesus said, do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father to my God and to your God. And Mary went with the disciples to go share the news. There was a reader of scripture in the 1800s that said, Jesus is such a good preacher that he just needs one word. And don't we all wish that right now? Aren't we feeling that in this sermon? Man, can't we, can't we just one word saying, I mean, good grief, it's graduation Sunday. Sometimes the one word you need to hear is the living, breathing God saying your name. And that's all you need to hear. When Mary can't find Jesus, 
What Mary needs is not another podcast, not another conference, not another Bible study. What Mary needs is she needs to hear the living, breathing, resurrected Jesus simply speak her name. Mary is oriented by the God who speaks her name. Which brings me back to this beginning. Anyone have a yearbook still in their life? Absolutely. I appreciate the hand raising. Yes, yes. Uh, I have one in particular that I hold on to. It's actually my yearbook from middle school uh, because it meant the world to me. And here's why it meant the world to me. In middle school, the way that yearbooks worked was yearbooks were your last opportunity to say a final word to someone. Okay. But I was in middle school. All right. So it wasn't like I was trying to write like a note to my boys to be like, Hey, I'm going to miss you. No, no. This was your attempt to write your final love note. Okay. All right. This was the hail Mary. This was the, I'm going to write in the book. I'm going to close it. And I'm going to go off for summer and I'm never going to see her again. Okay. And that year I was in love with Hannah. And I had planned it for months that yearbook was the day that I was going to let Hannah know of my professing love. And we were going to have a summer love that would be incredible just based off of this note. There was one problem. I didn't know if Hannah was attracted to me, but that was a minor detail at that point. I had plans for this yearbook day, okay? I was going to write her a love note. Two days before yearbook. This is tragic, okay? Two years before the day, I broke my arm playing football in a parking lot. Now, that's a different story for a different time, okay? All right, that guy had it coming, but he broke my arm. And I missed yearbook day. I could no longer profess my love to Hannah. But the reason I hold on to that yearbook is because I got the best gift when I woke up from surgery with that yearbook. When I woke up from surgery, that note was written by all my classmates who had still signed it. And guess whose name was in that yearbook? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Front and center. I remember I read her words over and over and over again, being like, That's right, I knew that she loved me. I can still repeat them to you today. You ready? Zane, sorry about the arm. Hope to see you next year. And I remember when I read that to my bros, they were like, oh man, we're so sorry. And I was like, guys, do you read these words? She loves me. I, I do not think we're reading the same note. They just didn't understand love, okay? But over and over again, I looked at her name being signed there in front of me over and over and over again. The good news of God is that this, that you are remembered by God even when you are not present. That the name of Jesus is God saying before you were born, before you even existed here, God stepped into history and this God stepped into history and made a statement about you. He made a statement that you met in the world. And even though you may have questions about this God's name, this God has spoken in Jesus Christ about how he feels about your name. 
and you is stapled with child because this God stepped into history to love us all and to show us of that. I guess I'm so mindful in graduation season when we're just chunking people's names around, right? Like we go to graduations and we hear people's names said, and we're like, that's not how you say that person's name. And then, you know, we go to graduations and we hear, you know, oh, did you hear so-and-so is going to this place? And oh, did you hear so-and-so is doing this with their life? The good news of God is no matter what you know or don't know what you're doing with your life, no matter where you find the reputation of your name, the most important thing is that God in the name of Jesus Christ has said, you matter. That's the love of God that we come to worship and celebrate. You matter because Jesus is what God has said about you in your name. And the key to living into being this child of God is holding on to these words even when you do not feel the weight of these words. Go with me back into the text here. 17. These are the words that Jesus says to Mary. Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them I'm ascending to my Father and to your Father and to my God and your God. Is it really interesting that Jesus would actually say, do not hold on to me? Isn't this the epitome song you have heard in your life? Always hold on to me. Why would Jesus tell Mary, do not hold on to me? A lot of Christians historically have tried to answer this question of why would Jesus say this? And I'd love to take a shot at it. Just one thought. This phrase, do not hold on to me. This is from the same root phrase as pinch, okay? And I wonder if the reason Jesus tells Mary, do not hold on to me after this encounter, is because holding on to Jesus in one moment will leave us in a pinch for the rest of our lives. Here's what I mean by that. Hold on would mean that Mary is physically embracing and emotionally just holding on to Jesus. And one of the things we like to do when we encounter God is we like to stick to one moment or one special encounter with God, which is important in our faith, but it's not the only moment in our faith. And when we try to just hold on to the past and experiences we've had, it can make us miss what God is wanting to do in the present of our life. Jesus is going to go on. He's going to warn them. My relationship. Like Jesus will go on further and he will say, hey, you have walked with me up until this point. I'm about to walk. My spirit is about to come with you and walk with you wherever you go. You don't just have to follow me physically where I go anymore. And is that our relationships change in the most cultivated relation are ones that change with the seasons as they go i've got evidence for for you in your life purely for you in your normal friendships okay here's the example uh high school reunions 
okay? Those can go one of two ways. Either you show up to a high school reunion and it is awesome because you pick up where you left off with people, you update them, you grow, you talk about what has happened, or you go to a high school reunion where everyone just wants to stay. And it's like the world stopped after high school. You're like, do you have any, do, did anything happen after you walked that stage and went? The best relationships are ones that change over time. The resurrection of Jesus means that Jesus doesn't want your spiritual life to be a high school reunion. I'm not just talking about the good old days. Often the temptation that we face is the temptation Mary has. She wants to go back to the tomb and reflect on the last moment that she saw Jesus instead of looking for the risen Lord who is right in front of her. We want to go back to the moments that we encountered God. And those moments are important. But also as we grow with God, we also change and mature. And God comes to us in different ways. As a matter of fact, he comes to us in fresh ways. Here's how one writer would actually say it. The risen Christ, this is the news you and I hold because of the resurrection. The risen Christ is free and moving. He does not intend to remain boxed in one day a week for an hour in church. I guess that's the end of the quote. <laughs> he doesn't, we're going to have to do some. Okay. He does not recognize the separation we tend to make between secular and religious. He intrudes. He comes to you where you are. He speaks to you and reveals himself to you. So pay attention. When you are sitting at your desk or sweeping the floor or reading a book, Easter means this, that Jesus is loose and that he is looking for you. The good news of the Spirit of God is God is coming into fresh ways in your life. Jesus is not something that just happened. Jesus is still at work. He sits at the right hand of the Father and the Holy Spirit is working in our lives. One step of moving with God is moving from perceptions of God to personal presence with God. Our relationship with God should mimic how we change our relationships with each other. Think about it this way. If I put two people in front of you and I said both of these people think that they know you really well and one of them could list off all the facts about you but the other person could say Man, I didn't know this element about you. Wow, that's such a mystery to me that like I've known you all this time and there's still things I'm learning about you. Who would you say knows you more? The person that has the more nuanced view of you that says, wow, you're such a mystery to me. And I never knew that about you. So what do we do about Shannon? What do we do about the moments where we're missing God? Well, one, we're honest with ourselves. Maybe, maybe we need to let the cat out of the bag here. Like, here's just the honest truth. We all have seasons where Jesus seems to go missing for us. Some of us always will have questions about the name of God. Some days in your faith, 
it feels like you are just wrestling with a dead body from 2,000 years ago that was from Nazareth, and you're wondering if he's relevant. We all have seasons where we run frantically with tears and frustrations of the world, and we miss God's presence right in front of us. But Mary is the example of discipleship for us. That in our times of transition, you will be tempted to want to talk about God more than you will talking to God. And one of the things we have to remember is that relationship with God is not just whatever pieces of the day people are wanting to talk about, but part of relationship with God is talking to God. As Rich Belois would say it, encounters will change you, but formation will sustain you. We need regular rhythms of talking to God, interacting with God on the days where we're not sure about the world or our place in it or what people tell us about God. Many of us want answers when really what we need is to sit and hear the living and breathing God calling out our name again. The blessing I hope for the seniors is a blessing that I hope we all hear today. That if you are in this room today and you are wrestling with faith, may you make sure that to remember to wrestle with faith is one of the surest signs that you've got one. To those of you who wrestle with knowing that you are a child of God, may you ask God to help you the way God already sees you in Jesus Christ. May those of you who hunger for God, may you hunger so much to encounter Him that you come back to this church and you have your own way of saying, I have seen the Lord. I sure hope we hear it as a church. Amen.